How do you become a DJ and create an incredibly successful lifestyle while everyone around you doesn't even believe it's possible? That's the big question. And this podcast will give you the answer. Welcome to the DJ University Podcast. DJ University Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Ben from the DJ University Podcast. Welcome back to all of you who are back. And of course, welcome to those new folks as well. We've got a very special guest today. He's a dear friend of mine. And as a matter of fact, it's kind of a new friendship. We've we've only been in contact with each other for just under six months. But uh, there's just certain kinds of people that you just hit off with, like right off the bat. And uh <laughs> This is that person, DJ Hoppa. Welcome to the DJ University Podcast. What's up, everybody? Yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. Uh, I'm excited to get into this conversation, too. Absolutely. And just to give a little intro and background on DJ Hoppa, he's a DJ. He's been a DJ for quite a long time, which he'll, of course, uh, give you more insight on. He's also a coach to thousands of DJs all over the world. He's an advocate as well. He's a dad of three and a husband of one. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed when I saw that, man. We were laughing about it last night, my wife and I. Um, husband of one. Love it. Yep, yep. That's the important part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So give the listeners a little bit of background on you and uh, what got you into DJing in the first place? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been at this for, um, I would say, I mark like 99 as the official start start where now I actually kind of had an idea of what I was doing and I had done some parties at that point, but mm -hmm. I got into DJing. Um, this was back in, in obviously the, the mid to late nineties, I was listening to, you know, DJs performing on the radio and we'd be hearing these songs that were mixed together. And so you'd have the, you know, the, the transition between these songs and you're hearing two songs at the same time in this like real subtle way, the beat is coming up underneath it. And I'm like, dang it, that's dope. And I was like recording things off the radio, you know, back in the day, like you could just pirate things. I mean, you still can pirate things. In fact, you could pirate things even more today, but you know, yeah. I had, I had a dual cassette player, had the CD thing as well. And it was all connected in this one boom box. And so I was like recording things off the radio and trying to listen and figure out how they were doing that. And, um, and then started kind of creating my own version of what that was, but I wasn't able to play two things at once. I couldn't figure it out. And so my mixes or my remixes were what people refer to as pause tapes. And I didn't, I didn't even know, I didn't know until probably about 10 years ago that that's what that was called. Um, but that's what I was doing. And then one of my friends from high school, his older brother had a pair of turntables and he kind of caught one of these little tapes that i put together and he was like man y'all don't even know what djing is and we're like show us teach us show it he's like no here this is everything that you needed to know i grew up in san francisco and he handed us a flyer to see the invisible scratch pickles at the d young museum and i looked mm, at nice. the flyer and it was like invisible scratch pickles was spelled all wrong i'm like what am i gonna learn from these guys we went to the museum there was probably eight people in the room I kid you not. And it was Qbert, Mixmaster Mike, and Apollo. And they were playing the turntables like they were a band, all three of them. Like, so somebody was, um, you know, laying down drums on a, on a turntable. And the other person was um, scratching like horn sounds. And somebody else was like adding vocals. And, and instantly in that moment, I was like, oh that's how people are playing multiple things at once and they were using the you know the mixer and the crossfader and i was like whoa okay um like well I, I know for a fact my dad has one of these record players and he's got records and so we went back to my parents house which wasn't far from the museum. We started taking out some of the records, <laughs> Stevie Wonder records and trying to like scratch on his turntable. And then I quickly realized, oh, there's special DJ equi <laughs> equipment that you need in order to make that work. So anyways, that was, that was my um, initial introduction to it. I saved up some money, got like a crappy DJ in a box set up from Gemini and just started collecting records and had no idea what i was doing you know was fumbling around in my bedroom but i loved it and i was like obsessed with it and then i went to school um i, I went away from san francisco to la i moved down here to la and went wow. to school at ucla um and honestly it's one of the best times to be a dj those college years because there's parties seven nights a week there's parties and so that's really where 
um, I really cut my teeth was in college mm -hmm. and you know, all the while, not even, not with this like strategy or vision that then I would be a career DJ and 20 plus years later, I'd still be DJing or that I'd be able to do all these things that I've been able to do in my career. And I mean, I've gotten a chance to see the world. I've been to almost every continent because of DJing. Um, you mentioned even the, the mentorship side of it. I mean, to date, I don't know, it's like hundreds of thousands of people that I've been able to teach you know, through whether it be online videos or, or people who've attended schools that I've created. And so, um, man, it's just such a blessing to be able to be in this position in which I literally wake up and every single day I do what I love to do. And, um, not a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people can say that. And I think hopefully mm -hmm. between what you and I are both like really passionate about, we'll be able to have more people be able to say that. Absolutely. Man, I love your story and I can relate to parts of them as well. I remember uh, putting together pause tapes also. I was only, I think, seven or eight years old and I had a bunk bed. So I, I remember just sitting on the top bunk, listening to the radio <laughs> station, and those DJs trying to rip those songs on tapes. So yeah, um, those those definitely it triggered some, some cool memories of mine. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious to find out, what did your dad say about you using the record player? Oh, he still doesn't really fully, he doesn't still fully know uh, about that. So I don't think he's actually a subscriber of the DJ University podcast, but if he is, he's going to find out. And I've, I've actually oh, we're mentioned gonna have to change that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's so crazy though, man, because when we, when we even have conversations around, you know, DJ as a career path, um, I mean, still to this day, my, my dad doesn't really fully get it. Like he doesn't really fully understand that this is, I mean, he, he understands that I haven't been like coming to him asking him for money. So I guess on that side, he assumes that like I've, I've figured it out at some point, <laughs> or maybe he thinks I'm like, you know, selling drugs on the side or I don't, I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't think that, but the, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around, you know, is like, wait, what? And this is what you do. And, you actually can pay your mortgage doing this. Like you can actually support your family doing this. And, you know, again, I think like that's a lot of the work that you and I are setting out on. That's where, you know, our paths are certainly very, very intertwined. Um, really wanting to, to see that happen and us both being a product of that in, in different ways too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my folks still think uh, at times they always ask me like, you know, what, what do you do? Because I mean, so when you're not DJing, what are you actually doing during the week? Why are you so busy during the week? And it's like, there's so many other things we got to do to run a business, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> totally, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I, and Maybe I think one day and I think that that's um, I'm very hopeful, like for what the future holds, because uh, to me, it, it really does. uh It gives me like these warm, fuzzy feelings when I see a parent you know, walk their seven-year-old into a classroom of mine, mm -hmm. or, you know, I see, um, you know, I get messages from parents who have uh, tapped into the fact that their kid is like super into music and really into technology and that they think that DJing might be a cool thing for them to, to try out. And like, how amazing to have the support of parents in that particular way um, when it comes to this. And so, yeah, man, I'm really hopeful for what the future holds. And I think that the audience is getting more and more educated overall. And that's what, I mean, that's my goal. My goal is to teach the world to DJ um, because I think it really will help us preserve our culture. It'll preserve the art form. It'll create, you know, pathways um, to careers for people. So we're on that, we're on that trajectory, man. We're gonna get there, I think within our Definitely. lifetime. Yeah. And I'm hoping that the listeners can feel this energy right now because we're very aligned in, in our missions. Yeah. Um, curious to find out what have been some challenges along the way that you've experienced and how did you overcome them? Oh man. Uh, so many challenges. I mean, how long is this podcast? <laughs> I mean, like so many, so many. And, um, you know, I think just to kind of be a little bit more broad and I'll get specific about like maybe one, but you know, it's everything, you know, and, and the challenges that I think you and I may have faced when we were learning to DJ and we're, you know, trying to make a career out of DJing is different than people face today. You know, mm -hmm. slightly there are yeah. there are certain things that are different. So like for me, one of the biggest challenges initially was trying to figure this out. 
like trying to figure out how, like, am I doing this right? Does this sound good? I don't even know. Like, and you know, I didn't really have a, I had people in my life that showed me a few things here and there, but I wouldn't say that I had one person in particular that was like, here, let me take you under my wing. Let me, you know, become my apprentice. Let me show you the ropes. Let me show you how this is all done. Um, for me, it was more of a, you know, combination of things that I would see, you know, peers doing and then sort of pick up on that and like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Kind that really works. Together, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to like take all this different information and trying to synthesize it in some particular way. Um, and then really what I would say is, you know, once I started teaching, that's where things really took off for me, where like the understanding really got to a certain level, because in order to teach something, you have to really fully understand it in order to teach another person. So yeah. um, that was a huge blessing. And still to this day, I mean, you know, every time I teach, whether it be, you know, some some sort of a lesson online, something in person, um, some sort of a conversation I'm having with somebody, um, invariably, there's something that I pick up and I learn from that. And it just, you know, adds to the overall knowledge. But I think that was definitely a big, that was definitely a big hurdle was like learning how these things work, whether it be something on the technical side or be, you know, how, how to negotiate a rate, you know, for a gig or, yeah, yeah. you know, how to not get burned, um, you know, on, on, by a promoter or whatnot. And um, there were a lot of, a lot of those hurdles along the way, but probably the biggest one, um, that I would say that's kind of the funniest and like one of the better stories uh, that I have to share is um, the biggest crowd that I have DJed in front of in a live scenario, like a live event is 90,000 at the wow. LA Coliseum. And um, at the time I was DJing on the morning news. So um, I was like the Paul Schaefer of the morning news who was like David Letterman's drummer and, and band leader, um, or probably a better like contemporary reference would be like the roots for Jimmy yep. Fallon. Right. So gotcha. I was the equivalent of the roots for the morning news. And so, you know, it was, it was crazy. It was such a crazy gig. And this is like before Ellen had a DJ, this is before DJs were on good morning America. And I like to think that maybe I influenced that in some which way. Um, but the, you know, we'd be cutting to break and uh, I'd be, you know, playing a song out or whatnot. And, you know, I'd, I'd be chiming in on certain things. Well, what it really did was it opened up my audience because at the time I was more a nightclub DJ than anything else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was playing four nights a week in Hollywood clubs. And then now here I am on the morning news. And those were those were really challenging um, sleep days. That was, was going to say, yeah, that was my preparation right for <laughs> that's my preparation for parenthood right there. Like I literally <laughs> was uh, finishing at the club at two. I'd be home at around like three, three thirty. By the time I got home, um, I'd sleep for about an hour and a half or so and then like get back out. And like I need to be at the studio in the morning, like five o'clock, five thirty call time, you know? So, um, assuming lots of coffee on the way, right? <laughs> <laughs> lots of coffee, yep. lots of coffee. And, and at the same time was, was running scratch DJ Academy then too, during the day. So it wasn't like I could just take a nap or something like that. I mean, there were days where I had to take a nap, but yeah. you know, that's really where I sort of met my limit in terms of what I could accomplish. But you know, what it really did is it opened up it opened up a lot of things, primarily though, the exposure for what I was doing as a DJ, who, like who I was, my overall brand. And so, you know, now here I am, instead of, uh, you know, only like club kids knowing who I was, I'd be like walking through the grocery store and some 60 year old lady would be like, oh my gosh, I love you. I watch you every morning. And you're, I'm like, wait, what? Like, how? Like, this is crazy to me. Um, and then the opportunities kind of opened up too. So there'd be like random people hit me up about gigs. So anyways, this random dude hits me up about this gig. It's like, Hey, I'm doing this thing at the LA Coliseum. We're going to have 90,000 people there. We're doing this, um, fight. We're, we're doing this like mixed martial arts fight. And this is prior to like UFC becoming popular. Mm -hmm. So nobody really here had any idea what mixed martial arts was and what that even looked like. But this guy was, um, you know, blazing this trail here, had brought, had licensed this brand from Asia and was throwing this match in the middle of the field of the LA Coliseum. And his whole idea was, I'm going to have the fighters come out on chariots. 
like gladiator wow. style, like Roman style. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they had me DJing on the Coliseum steps. So it's like this crazy, like elaborate, you know, vision that this guy has. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, awesome. Cool. Sounds good. He's like, <laughs> Um, and I don't know, Ben, are you familiar with like, there used to be this, um, street basketball, like league that was going on for a while called M one. And it was like street ball. Oh, there yeah. would be, like this MC yep, that was yep, like yep, on yep. the court, like talking for trash sure. on the court. You know what I mean? High energy too. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, sort of like hip hop meets, you know, basketball, basketball in that yep. way. Um, and so, <laughs> so this guy's giving me that reference and it's like, look, I'm gonna have you chime in sometimes. I might need to have you get on the mic and say something. So like, you know, we've got your mic hooked up, this and that. All right. Everything is fine. <laughs> Mind you, at this point in time, literally my plate is completely full. So I'm really only able to think like a step ahead, maybe mm -hmm. like one, like I'm dealing with what is happening right now in this moment. Yeah. 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 We're at this thing. And I say we're because I had my assistant at the time who was with me and he was on headset and there's about a five second delay from like where I am to like where the control is in the middle of the field. And oh, and by the way, he tells me before before we start, he's like, oh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I need you to sign this um, this release. Um, we're broadcasting to Showtime, which is like whatever, however many millions of homes. Yeah. Which I was kind of used to the TV thing already, but I was like, okay, that's a big deal. It's and then he's time. like, yeah. And we're broadcasting. I got broadcast rights into China, so we're broadcasting through CCTV into China. Wow. There's like billions. Yeah. Like we're talking like. I'm, I can't even wrap my head around. So now I'm just like, okay, big pressure. All right. This is, uh, this is going to be a big deal, I guess. And so anyways, the, somewhere there's multiple fights, multiple matches throughout the, the day. Um, somewhere in the middle of the event, we're in the middle of a match and one guy is pinning the other guy down and half the crowd starts cheering that this dude is getting pinned down. Uh, Cause that, you know, I guess that's their, their fans of this guy. I get a message relayed up to me. That's like, Hoppa, you got to say something right now. You got to get the rest of this crowd into it. I'm like, okay. First thing off the dome, right? It's just like, I will never forget what I said. Never forget what I said. All I said is this. I said, tell them how you really feel. That's all I said. Half the crowd starts booing. So like the other half, the crowd starts booing, like cheering, booing, like everybody's yeah, into it. Yeah. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I don't know. I don't even know who was fighting, to be honest with you in that moment. <laughs> yeah. But somebody loses. Immediately after that, I start hearing this chant. F the DJ. Really? F the DJ. Oh. <laughs> about 50,000 people, like 40,000 people or whatever, start chanting that. Oh my, like, man. I'm assuming it was broadcasted internationally oh my on top gosh. of that. Man, oh, at that moment, and, and just the, I don't know if anybody who's listening has ever like felt that roar or that energy of like 40,000 people in unison like that. It, mm -hmm. and especially when it's directed at you, I hope nobody ever has to, has to go through that. I mean, in that moment, if you would have handed me a shovel, I would have dug myself to China like in that <laughs> moment. Um, but man, I just, you know, we're in the middle of the thing. So I've got to stand up there and take this, you know what I'm So I'm just kind of like, I look over to my assistant. I'm like, are they, are they saying it sounds what like they're saying. saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, wow. It was crazy. At, at that moment, man, I was just like, I, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm built for this. And um, I mustered through the rest of the gig. Everything was fine for the rest of the gig, but it was still mm -hmm. in my head. And, you know, there were a bunch of people coming out, up to me after the, after the event, like, you know, giving me props on some, just like, that was so dope. We've never been to an event like this at all. Like, this is crazy, blah, 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 this and that. And so there's all this like positive stuff, but like this, that moment just like hung over my head. Then I yeah. get online. Don't oh, get online. Then I get online okay. and this is still, this is, this isn't like current. This is like maybe, oh, this is like, oh, six. Okay. Oh, five, oh, six, oh, six. 
Was that MySpace days still? Yes. Okay. So gotcha. then I'm getting messages on MySpace that are just like, if I ever see you in the parking lot, if oh, I, like, yeah, just like, some threats, crazy, huh? yeah, yeah, for real. Wow, and I was just like, okay, I, this is not why I didn't get into DJing for this. Like I'm, I'm good. I think I need to retire. Um, like, it's and not like that you moment, made that person lose, you know, right. By asking that question. Right. I just yeah. was the one who took the heat You're for the it, you know? Yeah. Um, so man, I remember I, I had to get out of LA. I left LA. Um, my wife, uh, who wasn't my wife at the time. She was just a girl I was seeing at the time. She was recording an album in, in Miami. And so I flew to Miami. I was just like, I need to get out of here. Um, I had to get, um, my, <laughs> my publicist brought on a crisis management publicist to help us through this. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. Like they were lining things up where like I would go to a, a like a mixed martial arts gym and they would get like photos of me in a mixed martial arts gym, like, you know, whatever, learning more about the culture and like all like they were like planning this elaborate thing or whatever. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. And so I guess my biggest takeaway from this was there's certain things that like you, you absolutely can't control. And I had this, um, for me at the time, I was kind of on this path where I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to be this like famous DJ. And like, this is, this is what I want. Like, yeah, this is what I want. I want, I want the lights. Like I, I love this, you know? And, and God showed me this moment to then just be like, what is it that you actually want? Do you, do you want the lights like that? Because this is also what comes with that. Like there's going to be, you know, half these people are maybe not going to see you in a favorable light yeah, and yeah. half of them might, but like, why are you really doing this? Like heart check type of moment, you know? And I had to really, um, reevaluate like, why am I doing this? And what is this that I want to do? And at that moment, actually, I made a decision that when I perform anytime I was going to perform after that, that there were going to be a couple of things. One, I was going to make sure that I did my homework mm -hmm. and I did my research and that, cause I think on my side, I could have done more research to find out like, Oh, that is actually like, um, not celebrated in that culture. Like in that culture, actually the matches should be silent. Oh, I see. Okay. That's and so by instigating it, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and then two was just that like, the I'm only going to play music that's going to make people feel good. And I want to be a conduit and a vessel by which people can have the best time ever. And if that's not what I'm doing, if I feel that I'm not able to achieve that or accomplish that, then like, that's just not the, the right opportunity for me. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a great learning, but that man, that was a, that was a big, fork in the road at that moment where I was like, I had to choose to either keep going down this path or go this other way. Yeah. What a cool story though. Oh man. It's it probably wasn't fun going through it, but it's a cool story to tell now. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, what's, what's really wild about it is, um, you know, we, we have these moments that will help shape and guide us. And it may not be as extreme as the story that I just told, but I got to imagine that for most people that are listening to this podcast, you've had a moment that did shape and define what it is that has brought you to today. And it won't, I mean, the hope is that that never stops, right? I mean, literally every day, I hope to have moments that help shape like who I am tomorrow, you know? And I think like, I'm super hyper aware of those moments now more than ever. Um, and I just encourage everybody to be aware of those too, because sometimes we just let those, those moments or those opportunities, those learning opportunities, like sort of pass us by, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling that this next question I'm about to ask you, it may be actually referring to the last story, but I, I want to ask it anyways. What is your, like, has been your proudest accomplishment to date? Oh yeah. I mean, th that was a great moment, but that definitely, I wouldn't say is a, is my proudest accomplishment. I think. Um, you know, I, I've been so blessed. I've, I've been able to do some things that are just that I never, ever expected to be able to do in, um, in my career. You know, I mean, I, I opened for Michael Jackson, um, at a private party. Um, 
you know, um, I've made beats with Snoop, you know, um, <laughs> I've, <laughs> you know, I've, uh, man, I, I've been to the Cannes Film Festival and DJed for the Prince of Monaco and had him give me props on stage. You know what I mean? Wow. Like I, I've had yeah. like just crazy moments Maybe that have happened in my moments. career, but to me, like this might sound super, super cheesy. Um, but to me, I, I find so much more pride out of being able to celebrate with people that I've mentored and that I've taught along the way. And, you know, I will get messages on a regular basis from people that have, you know, turned their lives around, um, from DJing and that I had some some piece of that, you know, I had some, I played some role in that. And like, that's, that's incredible. I had another guy, like there's one, I think in particular that stands out. And this is just one of just many that, um, you know, I, I've had the uh, good fortune of being along for the journey on, but like this one guy that I, I have never even met in person. And this was sort of in the early stages of me building um, this platform called the DJ coach. Um, we built a course where people were using um, the DJ app, Algorithm DJ, um, to be able to interact with music. And I, I love that because sometimes in our world, like we get all like, you know, in our world, you know this as DJs, people are like, oh, what, what kind of gear are you using? Oh, oh, you got, oh, okay. Oh, oh you got like, like the $200 oh, you, controller. You don't, you don't use the turntables? You're not a right, DJ, right, right, right. Like, <laughs> oh, 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 I see, I see, I see. You know, or like, yeah, there's this like a little bit sometimes, and this is the part I, I have a little bit of an issue with inside of our culture sometimes is like, you know, it's not the gear that makes you a DJ or a good DJ. I mean, like to me, the best DJs could rock off of anything. Like you, you should be able to apply your same skill set and now apply it to an iPad and rock. Like I could rock a party yeah. off of an iPad, you know, and it's not about what we're using. It's about how we're actually using it. But I say this because there was this guy that I met, um, through like putting out these courses that we were putting out. Um, he was one of the early adopters, one of the early students that came onto that platform. And, um, and man, he, uh, oh man, like this gets me like really emotional actually, even to like go back to that space. But this is in the beginning stages of COVID and uh, of the pandemic. And so this is like, you know, spring 2020. Um, I get a message from this guy and he's like, you know, thanks for the courses. It's, it's, it's really helping me through this time. And like, okay, awesome. Like, that's great. And, you know, he's asking questions and you know, how do I do this? I want to be able to DJ for my daughter. Um, and he was in a situation in which he didn't really get a chance to see his daughter. They, there was a separation and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. And he felt like this was a way to, you know, kind of connect with his daughter in this way. And, um, you know, as a dad, oh man, you know, like I really, like, I really feel that and I really connect with that. And I think you do too on that end too. And, and shout out to all the dads and moms that are out there. Um, but Absolutely. then in like September, he hits me with like a direct message on, um, on Instagram and it's a video. Um, oh gosh, man, like he hits me with this video and it's him in the hospital hooked up to a ventilator like straight to the camera like this being like i don't know if i'm gonna make it this is this is crazy like this is a real thing like COVID is real like i wanted to let you know that COVID is real and that like i appreciate everything that you you've done for me like like DJing has gotten me through some of these like rough spots and, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm just like, I mean, it, I don't remember what I was doing. I was doing something. It, it hadn't, it was of zero importance, you know, compared to like getting this message and it just yeah. rocked me, man. Like I, I started like tearing up seeing this dude in this position, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him through, um through dm and you know he's he's like i can't even see my daughter 
you know, like nobody can visit me. Like I'm going to die in here lonely. And I'm just trying to speak life into this dude and like just to keep him on it. And, um, and it has a, it has a good ending. So he ends up, he ends up, uh, you know, getting past that gets out of the hospital and sends me then another message, uh, probably about a week later or two weeks later, sends me another message of him and his, his uh, controller set up at home yeah. and DJing for, for a party with his daughter there. Oh man. And, and I was just That's full circle. Yeah. You know, like to me, man, like that's, that's better than being on stage with, with some of these guys and like having these like, you know, great moments or whatever in my own career, like to know that this has affected somebody and it's been something that has given this guy hope, confidence, um, you know, has allowed him to have connection, uh, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. And Respect that really like you, tugs at my purpose stepping in too, and stepping up for him. Yeah, man. And you know, the, the, it's on a, it's on a regular and, and that's how I know I'm, I'm really walking in my purpose right now, you know? And, um, and that's how, you know, even when we look at those two stories that I just gave you and like, you know, the one at the, at the Coliseum versus this one. And it's just like, you know, like here's this thing and it's like yeah there's all these this this great big you know on paper it's this great amazing thing and then you look at this other guy and this other story and it's like affecting this one person but like the connection with this one person is just like life-changing mm -hmm. for, for for me you know yeah um and he'll always have you know a, a place in my world and, and in my memory and, and in my heart because of that you know yeah i mean i think it's a human to human thing you know for sure for sure. On the mission for impact. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Man, I love, love everything that you're saying on this podcast. I'm assuming everybody right now that's on the other side is just like mind blown right now. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those, it, you know, even when we talk about, you know, my dad not ne maybe necessarily understanding what it is that I do or like your parents maybe not understanding that or, or anybody that maybe doesn't understand what a DJ does. Uh -huh. And it's really hard to put that into words you know, of like what a DJ does. And I mean, yeah, we can get, you know, we can get down to like some definitions of what makes a DJ for sure. And like, you know, somebody who's controlling the music, somebody who's controlling the crowd, controlling the vibe, but really it's like, you know, DJs is so much more than that. You know, you're, I had a, um, I had a, a woman who came to me years ago, 15 years ago, this woman came to me while I was running Scratch DJ Academy, about 12, 12 years ago. And she came to me and she said, hey, I've got a theory. I'm a seminary student. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on the path to, to be a pastor. And I've got this theory that DJs and pastors have a lot in common. That's interesting. Yeah, and I stopped, man. She stopped me dead in my tracks and I was like, huh actually yeah and i started going and thinking through this a little bit and like you know the interpretation of the word and the interpretation of this music that's already set but you can also have the delivery is what it like definitely makes the difference and then being like truly being a vessel and being a conduit to be able to let this flow through you mm -hmm. and to see the impact that comes, not because of what you've done, but because of like, and essentially the obedience that you have or the ability to just let this flow through you, um, that then these other people will be affected by music so much so that like this would have some sort of emotional effect on them, whether that be, and I don't mean like crying emotional in some cases, yes, but like, probably most likely joyful, emotional. Yeah. Right. And like, man, like what, what a responsibility, you know, like what an honor, what an honor to be somebody that can deliver joy to strangers. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. And to me, like, I think when somebody looks at what a DJ does in the role of the DJ, I want them to know like what does come with this because it's more than just searching for music and, you know, 
finding a, a cool way to transition between songs. Like, yes, there's all of that cool too. stage, right? Like, yeah. yeah and like, and, and don't get me wrong. Like that's a part of it too, for sure. But I think like, I would urge if you're listening to this podcast right now and you feel as though you're not doing enough as a DJ or you're not having enough impact as a DJ, or you just feel like, Oh, I'm just doing, I'm just kind of going through the motions. You don't have to just go through the motions. Like, I feel like I've leveled up every, almost every gig I've had, I feel like I level up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just want to encourage DJs that there is no, you know, this is an art form. And because it's an art form, there is no ceiling. You know, like you can keep going, keep it's taking it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. That's a choice for sure. Yeah. Man, Hoppa, I love what you're saying, uh, but I love to switch some gears here. Uh, yeah. What do you attribute your success to? Oh, man. I mean, first and foremost, God. I mean, I, it's like, without a doubt. Like, I think I've been given these opportunities. I mean, I could go into a bunch of other stories <laughs> too. Um, but like, I honestly shouldn't be here uh, in terms of being here on this earth. Like, uh, science or medically speaking. Mm -hmm. um, so I have seen the white light. I have seen my life flash before my eyes. I've like literally died and had have come back in my younger years and I shouldn't be here like from that perspective, but I'm still here because of this purpose that I'm here to fulfill. And again, I don't even know exactly what that is either. I'm just trying to take it one step at a time and just do like it to flow through you. Right. Yes. You and just do the next thing, you know, whatever that next thing is and just, yes, allowing this to just happen. But, you know, I think, um, so I think that first and foremost, and then, and then second, second is just the people, man, like the people, the, the people that have supported me, um, along the way, whether that was, you know, taking a chance on me, um, <laughs> as a 20, uh, three year old kid, essentially. I mean, I was, I went out to New York and was talking to the CEO of Scratch DJ Academy to bring Scratch to the West Coast. And like, I mean, I'm 23 years old, like, what do I know about any of this, you know? And, um, and then even like before that, I was running a distribution company um, and not knowing what the heck I was doing, like distributing music, distributing uh, records. And I was cold calling stores. And, you know, it's like the people who took a chance on on saying yes to me then or whatever saw something in me you know to uh to push that forward and just like all of just everybody everybody who's played a role in some which way in my in my life whether it's that they gave me a gig somewhere they um you know they gave me some advice along the way somewhere um they listened to some advice that i gave you know at some point i mean you know i truly believe that uh we are all connected like, you know, this is a, a communal thing. And, um, and it's crazy because I think with DJing in particular, especially nowadays, it looks like a solo thing, you know, like yeah, you see one right. person up there True. and you see, yeah. it's like, oh, okay. That person is totally self-made. They, they did it all on their own. And it's like, no, not at all. I mean, there's hundreds, thousands of people that, are behind this person at some moment in time, you know? Um, and yeah, so I think, I mean, that's a huge part of it. And then just, you know, also like probably the third thing is just the abil ability to pivot, the willingness and ability, ability to pivot. And I like to tell people, man, there's, uh, there's two words that I'm very, I try not to curse. I, I've been horrible in the past, but like I, I try to, I've tried to curb my, um, my bad language. Um, but the two words that I feel like are worse than four letter words are always and never. Mm. I was somebody that said, I will never DJ a wedding. <laughs> I was somebody that said, and, and by the way, some of my, my favorite gigs, some of like my highlights can't have come from weddings. I DJed a wedding where technically Bruno Mars and then Marshmallow both opened for me at a wedding. Mm. Like what? If I said I would <laughs> never do happen, weddings, right? yeah. that would have never happened. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a whole nother story. That's for another time. Um, <laughs> 
the the other thing that I've I, I said is like I will always DJ with vinyl records. I used to own a record store too. I used to own a vinyl record store. And so, you know, I, and still to this day, I mean, I love vinyl. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, same here. Um, there's something about it, you know, there's something just so tactile about being able to find, see a record that you don't even know, but you like the album art or whatever. And then you pick it up and you got it for like 92 cents or whatever. And then you go home and you put this down or even at the record store, you like go to the listening station, you're listening to it. And you're just like, you know, there's stuff in there that are just like, oh, wow. Like I might be the only DJ that has ever picked up this record, you know, and here's how I think I'm going to flip it or how I'm going to use it, how I'm going to sample it or whatever. There's something about it, man. But, you know, I said, I would always DJ with vinyl. Here I am like <laughs> championing VR DJing and <laughs> championing like DJing with apps and, you know, computers. And, I, you know, I work with every possible software that, you know, is out there. So, um, you know, I just, I really think it's important that, um, you know, uh, you have the ability to pivot and to get not so, uh, super like, um, stuck in your own ways. Yeah. 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 I have seen it happen too, man. And it's unfortunate. I've actually had, you know, peers of mine who, uh, who were too stubborn, um, you know, to, to even make the switch over to, to the digital era, or we're too stubborn to say yes to that opportunity that mm -hmm. might've actually opened something else for them, even though that was maybe a little bit outside their comfort zone. I mean, I DJed a country, I've DJed several country gigs, like country <laughs> music gigs that yeah. I never thought I would do. You know, um, I, I opened for Carrie Underwood. Like, <laughs> well, that it doesn't get more country than that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Yeah. So you, I, that, that I think those are probably the big three, I'd say. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. What about books? Like, are you a reader? I am. Um, kind of. What are like, yes. What would be like one to three books that have like had the biggest impact on you? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff is, um, a lot. Well, I'll give you a, a nice little mix. So I, I personally am more of a nonfiction uh, person. I, I like reading nonfiction. I'm not so I haven't gotten back into fiction probably since like grade school or whatnot. Um, and I, I just like, you know, I mean, I'm if I had to pick a genre of, of books or like a category of books, I'd be in the self-help section all day, you know, cause I, I feel like that's, <laughs> that's where I get like, Ooh, and like, yeah. And I feel like that's, that's the stuff where I can see some immediate impact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess along those lines, I recently read atomic habits, uh, by James clear, which was like a really great read and just like a super practical, like way to apply, you know, basically taking things in smaller chunks. And I saw you actually post something in, in the community recently um, about, you know, creating good habits and that's where the change comes from. And it's so true. You know, it's like um, that old quote too, of like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time type of a thing. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, yeah. you got to take it sort of step by step and, and habits are a huge part of that. So yeah. Uh, James clear atomic habits uh, shout out to him. He also has a really dope newsletter um, that he sends out every Thursday, which is, is super dope. Um, so that would be one. Um, I mean, my steady is trying to get like, you know, deeper into the word, getting deeper into the Bible. That's like the, I mean, I can always go back and because that's like a living, breathing thing, like every time I read something, it, it gives me something different. So that's definitely one as well. And then like, I think along like sort of the music side of things, um, Actually, this is a really good book. That's kind of a underrated book. There's a, oh, what's it called? I got to go back and get the actual title, but it's a whole book around being an intern. And it was written by Kevin Lyles. And Kevin Lyles um, was, uh, came up under Russell Simmons, like during the Def Jam era and, when okay. I, and was an intern. And I love that book. I think like there's so many gems in that book for people that specifically are at a stage where you're just trying to get your foot in the door. And there's like, there's just really, really sound advice that comes from that book. So I like to give that book to my interns. I think it's like from intern to to CEO or something like that. Uh, okay. um, it's like one, it's one of those 
I'll get the exact title though. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I had to choose three. I think those would be the three. Yeah, those are great. Okay, perfect. And then what about for a listener out there right now that, that may be struggling or maybe stuck? What kind of piece, well, what piece of advice could you give them in regards to leveling up their DJ game? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I think like one of the biggest things is I say this uh, uh, quite often, which is that you don't know what you don't know. And one of the reasons why I started the DJ coach was because I felt like there were a lot of people that were out there that were in that type of position and that they felt stuck. They didn't know how to get out of that. They didn't know where to go, where to turn to. Um, and maybe they didn't feel like they, you know, they, they've, they figured out some of these things. So to start from zero, you know, out of school might not necessarily be the exact right space for them, but being able to, you know, improve upon certain things that maybe they, um, that they never, that they never had an opportunity to learn or even things that you have learned. And, and actually that's a big thing, man, is, uh, I think sometimes people seek out what they think they need to know when in reality, I think, it's it's equally beneficial to sometimes and you and i were kind of talking about this yesterday um but to sort of seek out some of the things that you think you kind of have a handle on but you talk to somebody else who's who's maybe got a different perspective or is an expert in the space and they'll give you either some validation or they'll give you a different way of looking at it mm, so, um yep. and and sometimes I think that that's, that can help people with the momentum because if now we're talking about not necessarily, you know, learning this whole new thing, like a lot of times people will come to me because they've, um, I used to run a school called scratch DJ Academy. And I do consider myself somebody who, who can scratch, but I'm certainly not like the world's leader in being able to, you know, do certain crazy things on a turntable. I'm not Qbert, but, um, what you know and, and so a lot of times people come to me and be like hey you know I, i'm i'm really i'm good over here with my mixing as a dj and i feel like i'm stuck and i think i just need to learn how to scratch because if i if i just learn how to scratch then like that will get me to the next level it's like maybe maybe but like what will probably really help you out is if you let me like break down your mixing and I bet you I could give you a couple of tweaks that would just take you from here to here. And these like little tweaks that you could apply tomorrow at your gig, as opposed to like, now you're starting and you're learning how to scratch and you're going to sound bad for a little bit because you're not going to get the rhythm and timing down immediately. And it's going to be a bit of a process. And you're also not willing to dedicate, you know, 10 hours a week to just scratching. So like, I don't know, it's probably better to reevaluate like some of the things that you're doing over here or some of the things that you, I know are super passionate about that I am as well is like, let's reevaluate your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. maybe that's some stuff that can like, you know, just that little tweak there can then, you know, take you to that next level. So I think, but it starts with saying first, I could use some help. Like I could use somebody else's eye on what I'm doing and I don't know everything, right? Like it, yeah. it starts with that um, because you've got to be in a space that you're, you're coachable and you're primed and ready to receive. Because if you're not ready to receive, um, you know, I could give you all the gold in the world. Ben could give you all the gold in the world and it just wouldn't, it wouldn't hit, you know? Yeah. Agree a hundred percent. You know, it's interesting because I think the most obvious to the listeners is like, of course, we need advice uh, from someone that's ahead of us that may have a skill down because they can teach us because they know that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. But you address something else that's really interesting, which is validation that you mm -hmm. may be already doing the right thing, but because of imposter syndrome and doubt, you don't believe that you're doing the right thing. And because of that, you're not confidently moving forward with it, right? Right. So validation gives you the key to move forward. Which is yeah. great too. So it can yeah. provide a shortcut in that sense. And just so you know, if, if and I'm talking to you who's listening right now, just so you know, I have imposter syndrome too. Like Everybody that's does, right? and there's yep. stuff that man, like I'm 
I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, how, how am I here? I don't deserve to be here. Like, I, and, and that's when I have to get out of my own head and get out of like my own ego around it and my own insecurities and just really, you know, get to the root of it and get to like what really matters and, and my own purpose in this. And, you know, I'll, I'll get the, uh, I'll get the strength to be able to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what you said earlier in your answer triggered a memory for me too, which was, um, you know, as a lot of the listeners here know, I, I run a DJ company, right. That hires people with absolutely no experience and we train them up to mm -hmm. become professional DJs for our company. Right. And I was back then I was actually handling the training myself and I had to run to the restroom. And this particular DJ was trying to learn and get down the, the chirp scratch. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, he had been working on it for two months. Okay. And just could mm. not get it. Like, on demand, it would happen on accident every now and then, but it wasn't on demand, right? <laughs> yeah. And I literally was like kind of impatient. I had to go to the bathroom to go pee. So I was like, hey, just do this right here and I'll be right back. I went to the restroom. It was down the hallway, of course. So it took a little while. Came back. And by the time I came back on demand, he just was able to crush it. It was just that little small piece of advice by having another set of eyes look at you know this person, mm. seeing where like there's a room for improvement, giving mm -hmm. that specific advice to make the adjustment and boom, that's where it changed for him. So yeah, um, it is super valuable. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to go with a DJ coach or a DJ university, but find yeah, someone you do. that's ahead of you. No. <laughs> find someone <laughs> no, that's ahead kidding. of you, right? Yeah. And you know what's, yeah. you know, what's crazy is that like small keys open up big opportunities, open up mm -hmm. big, you know, open up to big venues. Right? Like the key is the same size. Technically, you think about that, like the key to the arena or whatever is still this small little key, you know, but like, and just that key though, it's the, having the right key and having the right key that goes into the right lock, which then like sets you in motion. So I agree with you because I'm not the coach for everybody and you're not the coach for everybody. And, you know, people are going to like find, find that person. Find that person who you really click with that, that can speak into you, that's going to support you, that's going to be able to like give you some bit of info that will help take you to the next level and be that for somebody else too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Hoppa, I love this conversation. I know that the listeners enjoy it as well. Um, tell the listeners, like how, how can they find more, find out more about you and also how can they connect with you? Yeah. So, um, I'm just at DJ Hoppa on everything. And I realize that we're on audio right now. And so sometimes people don't know how Hoppa is spelled. So it's H A P A. It's not Hopper. It's not Hoppa with two P's <laughs> H A P A. Um, and yeah, you can, um, you know, everything I'm on, I'm on all the social platforms. Uh, you can also hit me on my website, hoppaworld.com. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you want to learn more about the DJ coach, you can go to the djcoach.com. Um, and yeah, we've got some exciting stuff coming too between us. So uh, I'm excited to connect with all of you who are out there. If you need anything, reach out, man, for real. Like, um, I think there's a lot of people that sometimes sit passive and, um, maybe listen to episodes like this and people would like throw out their information and, you know, somebody would be like, ah, I can't hit him up, but like, he'll never respond or she'll never respond. It's like, yo, like I will respond. Hit me, hit me up. And like, this is a huge part of my, um, purpose and my journey to be able to help people like you who are listening to this. So hit me. Thank you, Hoppa. Really appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Likewise. Take care. We hope this episode provided you with incredible value. Please leave us a review so we can learn from your feedback on ways to improve. Subscribe to the podcast and be notified when the next episode drops. Lastly, don't just listen to this podcast. Take massive, imperfect action.